All right, welcome everybody to the PFF College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Delina, alongside Deontay Lee. And uh, joining us today is a good friend of both of ours, Mr. Chris Vassar, Coach Vass, uh, host of Run Vass Option Podcast, host of the Make Defense Great Again Podcast. Um, any, any football-related thing you want, he's done it. He's been around forever. Uh, Vass, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. This is the owner of the greatest Patreon in the world, people. Are you just yeah. saying that because the Bama playbook's coming? The video <laughs> yeah. No, because that is going to be the difference in me not getting 44 points a game put up on me. <laughs> if you're listening to this, and um, I'm, I should say this, I, I shouldn't put Bass on the hot seat like this, but if you're listening to this and you're a football coach, um, and you want to shave, uh, I don't know, let's let uh, 3.5 points per game off your defense. legally, legally. <laughs> when you use the word shave points, I get a little nervous. <laughs> legally, yeah. shave points. Uh, then you want to subscribe to Vass's Patreon. What, how, how could so what we usually do is at the end, but we'll do it now. How can the people find um, the podcast and um, and the Patreon? The easiest thing to do, I've got one of these, and if by the way, I've, I've been like, I, I should work for these guys. I'm not, I don't, but I, I should. Is a link tree. If you just go to linktree.com slash coach Vaz, it's got my Twitter account, the links to the podcast, my website, the Patreon. I think I might have already said that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just still slipping it in again. Uh, I've got some coach tube courses on facing the wing T and def- defending RPOs and things like that. So all of my links are on there because I got tired of well, it's not to get tired, but it was tough because people are like, what's your website? And a lot of it, if you just type in Coach Vast, some of the stuff will come up. But and that's with two S's, by the way. But, uh, it, you know, they would come up and and, and then I have to be like trying to remember all these links and I couldn't remember them. So and if you've ever done anything with Coach Tube, the URLs are literally 300 characters. So I just got Linktree and it's just everything's right there. So and come on Twitter and, and uh, if you if you hear anything on this episode that you think is great or you think I'm full of shit. Sorry, you may have to bleep that, but, um, you know, come come talk about it. And I'm always accessible if you guys have any questions on this stuff that we're about to talk about. So I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys giving me the plug early on. It's nice. Yeah, now we're done. All right. That's the end of this episode. Thank you for tuning in for the PFL. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Um, you know, we're going to talk about like, you know, the big time trends that are ha- that we're seeing, you know, I guess mostly college, but we can get into the NFL, no problem. And the first thing I want to talk about, because I wrote an article on it on the website last week about, you know, my, my, you know, hypothesis, my thesis was dropping eight minutes to coverage, which we're seeing slowly more and more of. It's not like, you know, every team's doing it and, and it's just still a small percentage of, uh, of football right now. But dropping eight or plus people in the coverage is fundamentally changing uh, the way football is going to be played. So my two things that I wrote, you know, that talk about mostly the pass game, um, whereas, you know, a lot of the concepts that offensive coaches have come up with over the past fucking, I don't know, 30, 40 years, whatever it is, they're all like designed against seven people in coverage. And like a lot of the triggers are based on the movements that can happen when there are seven people or less in coverage. Now you add the eighth person and all of a sudden the whole thing gets boggled and you can't figure out how to get to the right receiver. Um, And then in the run game, the fact that you're playing, often these teams are playing without uh, 
a C-gap defender that's lined up on the line of scrimmage um, in these tight fronts. That's something that you just couldn't tell me even five years ago that this was a way to stop the run. Like you needed, in my head, you needed to have someone, a defensive end who's sitting there setting an edge and forcing the run back. And it turns out you don't really need it. So that's my preamble. And um, yeah, I think that's the, that for me is the biggest overall trend. So I don't know, Vass, if you have any thoughts on, on, on that type of stuff. Well, as smart as I try to sound at the heart of it, I'm a dumbass. And so I look through everything. I, I try to sound fancy by saying Occam's razor. You know, the simplest explanation is usually the best, but it's basically just like, I'm, I'm a dumbass. So like, okay, let's look at this. If every quarterback is taught to read middle of the field, open and close pre-snap, right? Pretty much a universal thing. What if, and hear me out, we show middle of the field open and closed mind blown you know and so i think a lot of that is like hey well let's but how 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 are teams doing that i mean i think you know we talked about this during the pre-interview but iowa state i mean you've got two wide ass safeties and then somebody standing right in the middle and if you attack it like middle the field close coverage you're going to be very sad you know what i mean because the spacing changes things underneath i mean what is everybody what is everybody junior high? I don't know what they call it in Canada, but you know, middle school, junior high quarterback taught in cover two. hit the, I believe we had, um, I had Kyle Cogan on my podcast and we were talking about how creepy it sounds, but the honey hole or whatever. I called it the honey pot and then I got very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And then I was like, something no that only a 65 year old coach in like the eighties or seventies would have come up with. I was like, I feel like we're getting into pervert territory, but um, no, but in all seriousness, well, you know, hit the whole shot, you know, uh, throw the middle of the field. Well, there's a guy standing there and it's probably if it's Iowa state and you're running three high safety defense, it's their best player or their best DB at least. And then it's a, it's the, it's a domino effect because the safety has the, the, the two deep safeties have that guy in the middle, then they can get wider. And so everything that you've taught a kid to stop a coverage now works against them. And so, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast and I always preface this because a lot of times I'll retell the same points and stories. So I want to at least give the listeners, if you're listening and you've heard me before, but I don't want them to think like, man, this guy only tells like four stories, but I kind of had this realization when we were defending the double wing, which is the opposite of what we're talking about. But the, the thought process, this is the same. So what I did was we, we were playing a team. I bought a playbook uh, online of, I guess it was a similar team or maybe it was, I don't know, a similar style. And so I'm going through the blocking rules. I'm like, all right, I'm going to learn, try to learn like these guys. And so, you know, they're like, okay, if they have, if there's a seven technique, meaning there's a D end inside the tight end, this is our rules. No problem. If the DN is outside the tight end, he's in a nine technique. These are our rules. No problem. And there was like a cutaway section. Like if you see a six technique, you need to do X. And I went, hmm, if they're having to put a special section on something in the playbook, maybe, just maybe, I should do that. And there was the same thing. Like I remember when I was first learning out, I didn't know like how to block all the plays. You know, when you when you're young and you're learning one side of the ball, you're learning just that side of the ball and you learn the other side of the ball through the lens of defense. So I learned I learned how to block power and stuff because in a defensive playbook, it had the drawings and how to block power. So one day I'm like, well, let me look at 
you know, these offensive playbooks and, and it would be like the same thing. It'd be like, uh, you know, inside zone four, two, no problem. Odd, no problem. And then it would be like bear special call or check play. I'm like, Hmm, if I put that in the memory bank, I'm going to store that one back in the memory. So if we see a team that does this or conversely, it would be like check to speed option. I'm like, okay, so that's not a good play. You know, I think that's, a, you know, I get this question all the time, like young guys that want to learn that don't necessarily have a mentor. And there's just so much information out there. You don't know what to process in what order. If you want to learn defense, go look at offensive playbooks and look at the stuff they really like, and then look at the stuff they don't like, and then just do the opposite of what they like. That I, you know, tying that back into what we're talking about, you're, you're taking quarterbacks. I mean, Seth, you've, you've written about and developed quarterbacks. You know, you try to use in coaching a lot of the things that I know we do on defense, I'm sure on offense, the same thing is you try to use somebody's rules they've been taught when they first put on pads against them. And I think that's where a lot of the drop eight stuff helps. You know, if you're looking at four underneath defenders, let's talk now, let's talk, let's start with the underneath defenders. Four under usually meant three deep, right? And I, I know there's four under two deep zone pressure. I'm just talking about just drop seven. What do you do? You attack the scenes, right? You know, you, you, you know, um, in defense, again, if you want to know how to attack a defense, go read a defensive playbook. Most playbooks say in cover two, you want to funnel people into the scenes, because you have a guy outside and a guy inside, you're trying to funnel them together into one defender and cover three, you want to push them out of the seams. So naturally, what would you do? You would attack cover three by getting in the seams. Well, now if you have four under and you're dropping eight, what do you have? You have four deep, meaning you have a guy standing in each seam. And so I think just on a fundamental level, before you start getting into like the, the complicated stuff and the, how you can change the spacing in your drops and all that, it, it messes mentally with an offense. And furthermore, if you take, let's, let's stick on Iowa state. I don't know. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I was an offensive coordinator for one game. I was coaching semi-pro ball. How many points? How many points did you guys score? We won. I, I mean, we won and it was comfortable. I think 35, maybe. Um, I was calling defense and calling offense in the same game. And I would, between calls, I would make a call and then I would draw an adjustment, hand it off to somebody for the defense. My best friend, Stephen Lowe's, the offensive coordinator at Bosco, was our OC. He had a wedding with our star tight end. I'm like, great. I'm, you're taking the tight, our best weapon, and you are gone. But we won, and I, I was like, I'll never do this again. It was the most, we won, and it was the I was, like, ready to stop coaching football, and we won. Like, I just couldn't take it. But, you know, you, you look at a, a team like Iowa State, and you get in two by two, and you see a 3-1 box. It plays tricks on you because what is everything you tell? Yo, we got to run the ball. We got to run the ball. Oh my God, we got to run the ball. Well, the DN to the back is clogging the B gap. The nose is lagging. I mean, he's playing the A gap to the back. The DN away, who's in the C gap, is launching himself into the B gap inside. The overhang away from the back is diving down inside into the run. You have an unblocked middle line, but you should have an unblocked middle linebacker. And if he's not unblocked, somebody up front's going to be unblocked. And then you have that middle of the field safety guy who's just flying down inside and it just collapses and everything sucks. And so I think from a starting point, cover, uh, I was going to say cover eight, but drop eight, it messes with you psychologically. I think as an offensive coach, it also messes with defensive coaches because what has everybody said for a million years with the past pass game? 
what's better one good corner or maybe even two good corners or one elite pass rusher. well an elite pass rusher because they can affect the whole secondary like all these these coaching cliches that you've ever heard um going on well what happens when they're blocking run so slowing down your pass rush and trying to you know you're in these drop seven coverages and they're they can manipulate you you know with having an extra guy on the under coverage that allows you to split up the labor like division of labor for example one of my favorite drop eight coverages was taught by fresno state and they it was cover one so it was russian three it was really seven under one deep to be honest with you and they had corners so if you can just picture this you have a a two by two formation you have a corner to each side and overhang each side then a stack back or like take a 30 stack and then take the five techniques and move them in and then take the stack guys and move them out so you get a guy for the throw and the cue on each side plus a mike linebacker that can go to both sides and it's division of labor it's you because you have that extra guy you can take away the conflict because what's the number one thing when you get your offensive coordinator for dummies handbook what is the first thing Find the conflict defender, put them in conflict. What happens when there's no conflict? What happens when you can't make somebody wrong? That doesn't mean you can't make a play, but so many offenses, like look at Shanahan's offense, his whole, I don't say his whole offense, but quite a bit of it is find the guy who's in conflict, like take the Isaiah Simmons game, find the guy in conflict or the, the, the weak link because you have, uh, I, I'm, this is my new phrase now after I did Stephen Reese's pod, less resource allocation. That sounds so fancy, doesn't it? I love it. I use it all the time. It's yeah. You have less resources underneath. So now you're maximizing the matchups. Because what does the spread guys always talk about? Well, matchups. You can't double everybody. Well, I did a video on YouTube with the Patriots and they're playing cover one against trips. They were able with one of their three underneath guys they had three guys three rats on the back and the opponent they were playing never released the back i think it was like the chargers a couple of years ago when rivers was there so the weak side stat guy was doubling the x the middle stat guy was doubling the third receiver and the strong side stat guy was cutting out to the number two receiver the and then you had a middle of the field guy the only guy that wasn't being doubled is the one to the trips who's at least thrown two guy now he's thrown two more in the nfl because the hashes are different but you can't double everybody, but you can get pretty close. So you put your best guy on their worst guy, and then you just double everybody else. And the other thing that I think is valuable is when you, and this is like, again, you're, you're going against the cliches of defensive football. I had a mind-blowing conversation with Tosh Lapoy when he was at Alabama. We were playing a team, Cajon High School. Their quarterback was Jaden Daniels. And he was a great runner great running quarterback it was their number one run play it was basically he's, they released he still the is a great running quarterback yes he still is but he was even better when it was in high or in <laughs> high school only not he wasn't better but versus the competition right he wasn't having to run away from some like linebacker from washington it was but i said to him i go you know what do you do versus guys like this and he says well we get him out of the pocket i'm like what <laughs> i'm sorry what did you say he says they're going to escape. Basically, he said something, and I, I don't want to not give him credit, but he either said it explicitly or he said something that triggered in my brain, like, okay, these guys are going to escape anyway. So you're going to put four down and try to balance the rush out and do all this stuff. Now you've taken one less guy underneath. You're giving them a lot of time. And you know what? If they really want to get out of the pocket, I've seen it where you've got like double threes, double wide nines, and guys still get out of the pocket. 
-hmm. why don't we do this why don't we collapse the pocket but at least we know where it's being collapsed to hey we're gonna flush him to his left we know it he doesn't and then we're gonna use one of those extra rats instead of running him up the field and basically like a bullfighter and them just olaying you and then running past you why don't we collapse the pocket with the three guys in front of us put our best athlete in the middle and let him go contain late so I'm getting the effect of a blitz where I'm spiking an end and bringing the guy off the edge. Well, where's the pressure coming from? It's not the guy coming off the edge. That's the problem. It's the guy spiking inside, right? So instead of spiking a guy inside and bringing a guy off the edge, why don't we spike the guy inside and then have the guy that's in coverage come around and he can go make the play. And it's like, oh shit, that's brilliant. So now we, my last year at Clovis and we were, I think we were like eight and five and we were an average football team, but we had more success and pressures on the quarterback with dropping eight and pinching. We had a call where we literally pinched both ends down inside and we would tell the nose, you contain to the boundary and the middle guy, you contain to the field. We got more pressure and success off of that than bringing five and six people. Why? Because it's less guys underneath. Now it's cover first pressure second i think that's what you're starting to see uh i i looked this up and i i believe that so when i was watching all these teams drop eight and and you know because i can filter it so i can just watch those plays and you get it you get a feel for it a little better but um you know when i was watching it, i felt like that's the answer was teams saying more um Hey, the quarterback saying, "Hey, we, let's chill for a minute." Like that's what I would probably be telling my quarterbacks if I if I, if I ever go back to to coaching and, and I see these type of defenses, I'd be like, "Hey, let's fucking hold on a second. Let's not like we're gonna have to change the way we 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 play quarterback, the way we call plays, the way way to the way we design concepts, just so that we can be like, hey, look, with a pass rush." the initial pass rush, we have to live in a world where we're going to assume that it's not going to get to us right away. Now it happens. And that would be uh 2020 Mississippi state. And that's a problem. You're not going to move the ball that much if that happens, but you know, we're living in a world where the offensive line can protect against three, especially three players that are starting from the interior. And then we're going to have to hold on to the football and we're going to have to try and make a play outside the pocket and hold on and, and make, you know, our receivers are going to have to find a way to get open, you know, outside of the structure of the play. But the funny thing is, when I looked this up, you know, in terms of like, uh, like how, how efficient teams are, uh, how efficient quarterbacks are when they get outside the pocket, they're still bad. You know what I mean? Quarterbacks are bad when they get out the pocket. Like, you know, no, there's like one Russell Wilson in the world. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah. Well, definitely know. not in college. I mean, yeah. I, I mean. Unless, and again, then there's the talent gap that you can't account for in the NFL. Like Baker Mayfield, he's just the first guy that came to mind. You know, you know, Oklahoma usually, you know, they usually early on, they play a one double A team. Like the, the, anything he's going to do, and I hate to always say this because it sounds like it's making excuses, but literally everybody would have had to have like a bad chicken sandwich on their team and everybody would, and they still probably would have won. Like right. he'd been shitting his pants on the field and they still probably would have passed. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm, I mean, he, I mean, all starting 22 people, and they still probably would have won. But like, I, I think that with the talent gap there, you know, guys can, and then like, you, know, you got a guy like Lamar Jackson. Okay, well, how many Lamar Jacksons do you have to play? Yeah. You know, you, you talk to defensive coordinators and, you know, I, I've, I talked to guys who've been in the league for 30, 40 years or, or 
I shouldn't say just in the league in college or whatever. There's very few of those guys. The media pumps some of these guys up because with you're talking about within a cycle, there's like a, it's like a bell curve or not really a bell curve, a regular curve, a bell curve would not make any sense because you'd be making people faster than art, but you're grading on a curve, you know, the best quarterback last year may not have been nearly the as good as the best quarterback from four years ago, but he was the best that year. But when you really look at like all time guys, like talking to Bud Foster, like guys that really genuinely made him say, Oh shit. Well, the, the probably the best guy was the guy he had to go against in practice. For I was going to say the guy like, he didn't have to play against in a game. I mean, I remember asking this question. He said McNabb and I was like, Oh shit. And I was like, wait, that was 25 years ago or 20 years ago. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, those all time guys are few and far between. Um, like everybody, I know like Spencer Rattler is the top guy right now. And obviously. Well, I would say Rattler is a funny talking about this. This is why Oklahoma can go because they're seeing so much drop eight in, um, in the big 12. Uh, I would imagine, you know, that part of the world is where you see the most drop eight, but you know, besides any team that played Mississippi State this year. But um, what, what makes them go is that he, Rattler specifically, it's only one year, but he had like the highest, for us, he had like the highest grade outside the pocket in like the history of the world. Like, so like, you, you know what I mean? Like, here's this one guy Thanks who- saving me. I was about to make a bad, or I was about to make a point, not disparaging him, but saying maybe he wasn't as good as previous years. You know how, like, you, you saved me, and then I went and actually told Double him. Down. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I'm, I learned something new. That's, you know, I wish society would learn how to say I don't know more, but that's a whole other podcast. That's on my other podcast, talking about politics through sports. Uh, so, I mean, so to me, I think the funny thing is where I get to be high school coach brain. Like, when I think about drop eight, the interesting thing for me, and this is when I realized the utility of drop eight versus playing, like, with a more balanced pass rush was actually in seven on seven. So the issue with seven on seven, as a defensive coach, that I realized, I mean, there are a lot of issues, right? Four and a half seconds to drop, whatever. But to no, me, the biggest There's no issue, issues in seven on seven. Oh, stop. <laughs> We're outnumbered on this one, but you may right. be so the big issue before. to me, at least like when you take it to a whiteboard, like is the fact that there is zone overlap, right? So if you're talking about just playing cover two or cover three and seven on seven, there is going to be some sort of split responsibility in zones for your overhang player, for your flat player, your half player, your middle of field player is going to have a certain amount to be worried about. But if it's cover three and it's dropping eight and I have a guy playing like the middle hole the way you would in cover four, a guy in a strong curl, the weak curl, a guy in a strong flat, the weak flat, and maybe we can carry seams through it, that kind of overlap does kind of eliminate some issues. And I know we had a conversation, Seth, last week or two weeks ago, we were talking about what's going on with the air raid, like air raid pure, the Southern Mississippi, the Eastern Carolina, Texas Tech, Mike Leach versions of the air raid. And we were talking about how drop eight is giving that trouble. And because of the way that they prefer to throw the ball and the windows that they're looking to throw into, drop eight becomes an issue, you know, as far as trying to find those windows. We've had conversations about man versus zone versus man match versus zone match. It's the exact same principle there, right? It's important to have different tools in the toolbox because certain windows that are available to you in man aren't there in zone. In zone match, not there in man match and vice versa. So that's really what I think that we're starting to get into as these offenses just become ridiculously proficient at throwing the ball accurately and generating easy, explosive plays. 
it's just it's a useful changeup. There is still going to be a use for playing your typical four down, cover three, cover two, cover four stuff, right? And if you got the pass rushers for it, Ohio State went to the playoffs a whole bunch of time with generational pass rushers, right. you know, playing regular old cover three. You know, when they don't have a generational pass rusher, then you end up with poor 5040 tough Borland trying to carry the Heisman Trophy winner up, up the scene. Um, and you pointed this out, and this is something that I mentioned too, Vass, that the, the middle of field safety didn't help him out getting so wise on the opposite team. But still, these are the type of issues you run into. You can probably live with that when it's Chase Young coming off the edge. Hey, your, your quarterback's not going to have three and a half seconds to wait for Devontae Smith to get 22 yards downfield. Yeah, but if you're relying, so, so the, I got a, a couple things if I can jump in here. Like, go ahead, Beth. Oh, we're doing the Ohio State talk again. I thought we, oh, were, done with, I thought we were done with that in February. No, no, no. <laughs> and, I, and I witnessed this coaching football in Northern California where I'm better than you. I always said that it was like they wanted to make it like the American Revolution. We're all going to stand across from each other and then we're going to fire and whoever wins, whoever's got the bigger bullets. Here's the problem. Somebody's always bigger and stronger. (laughs) Having to rely on scheme that has deficiencies and your answer to it is I have better players. You're going to get F'd in the A at some point when it comes down to, hey, that guy, and I don't want to name any names because I love some of these schools up there, but they go undefeated and then they got to go to a state game and they play somebody who's got just as much lead in their pencil. Oh, I know it. Problem. And then on the it. other thing, going back to the beginning of this conversation about the air raid, why does drop eight give the air raid problem? We could sit here and wax poetic about that for two hours, but go back to the simplicity thing. Okay. What you just, you could find it on page one of their playbook or hour one of the Tony Franken seminar. What do they say? We're going to throw to grass. We're going right. to throw to grass. We're going to get the matchups. Coverages don't matter. Coverages don't matter. We're going to get the matchups. Well, what are, I'm sorry, we're going to throw to grass. What happens when there's not as much grass? Right. And then you use their stubbornness against them. You know, and what's the other thing that they always say? We want to get blitzed. We hope you blitz us. Well, good, because we're not going to blitz. Now you've told, and that's the thing about arrogant people that if you give a lot of coach, some coaches love talking about themselves. And if you give them enough room, they'll tell you how to stop them. Mm-hmm. That's the secret. If, you, if you're a young guy and you want to learn about coaches, tell them how great they are. They'll fucking tell you anything you want. You know, it's like, it's like giving somebody a virtual whiskey, get them loosened up. Just tell them how great their offense is. And they'll tell you, man, well, it's because we only care about numbers, angles, and grass. And we, we pray that teams blitz us. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to get more grass or less grass to you, more grass to me. And we will make sure to never blitz you. Now, some coaches say that, and you know, they're full of shit because I've heard coaches also say, Oh man, we love when we see cover zero. And I'm like, I don't know. I saw cover zero versus you last year and it didn't look like you loved it. At least your quarterback didn't. So, but you just do what they, they're literally telling you. They're giving you the blueprint. Go to a clinic. Just do the opposite of what they say. (laughs) DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over under on a featured playoff game. Uh, That's probably the only way I would ever win a bet. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. 
Uh, DraftKings is safe and secure and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the feature game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting. So tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code PFF for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends May 23rd, 2021. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. The, uh, I think, uh, going back to what, um, what Dee was saying earlier about like overlapping zones, it's funny because like, you know, just like for our listeners who haven't been like around, like, you know, on, on the field and stuff like that and, and in, in the classrooms, I think, and this might be, this might be a Canadian thing because of how big the field is, but I don't believe it is. But when you're playing like a spot dropping, a pure zone defense, you know, we, we used to tell the kids, okay, you're a curl flat player, which means you are a curl player until the ball is thrown and then you're a flat player. Now, again, this big field, you kind of have to play it like this. If you're a hook to curl player, you are a hook player until the ball is thrown, then you're a curl player. Well, now, like Dee was saying, it's like you, no one has that slash anymore. No one has that two anymore. You're not a hook two curl player. You're a hook player. You're a flat player. You're a curl player. And uh, that makes it that makes it really hard. And and going back to kind of some of the stuff you're saying about like how teams are, you know, in a sense, look, it, it, we're going to play Tampa two, but because we're doing it from a three high safety look and because that the, the player who's going to run down the middle of the field is not, is, is not a Mike linebacker anymore. He's a middle safety. He's a defensive back. We can, we can deal with all these concepts. And when I watched uh, Iowa State defense, I watched Tulsa do it a lot. You know, teams were trying to throw the same damn, damn concepts. Teams are going to, teams are running the, the corner routes, trying to widen the safety, you know, the, the weak safety or the field safety. And they're going to try and sneak in that route, you know, the post or some sort of like, you know, up, uh, you know, under and up type of route to the middle of the field and guys standing there yep. or, or, you know what? And I, I'd even see, I'd even see like quarterback would look off the middle safety and then try and hit, you know, hit a route, you know, where he looked them off in the opposite way. And because he's playing with so much depth, he could just, you know, speed turn and run and go get it. So it's yes. like, man, we're not, we're not even close. I, I feel we're not even close to a tipping point where teams up. Oh yeah. We, we get it now. You want to run it. You want to run cover three with eight players. No problem. You want to run quarters with eight players. No problem. Like we're got it. We're not even there yet. But well, I think, I think that, yeah, I'm sorry. Not, not to cut you off, but I think you just tapped into 
um, a key piece in that, and that's like relief and constraints, right? So when you have that curl slash flat, there are certain constraints like the amount of depth that you can drop to, right? If I'm a curl player, but I also have to get to the flat, there's only a certain amount of depth I can take a route in the curl if I have a threat to my flat. Whereas if I'm just a flat player, I can tell a cover two corner that's just a flat player, hey, you're squatting on a seven up to, you know, 14, 14 yards of depth, 14, 15 yards of depth, because you got help over the top. You got a guy inside of you. So when you talk about drop eight, some of those routes, those throws, when you draw it up, when you're scouting it up, is it open on paper? Of course, because that's the, that's the quote unquote weakness of the coverage the entire way. Is it actually open? No, because I can tell my curl player, yes, you're the curl dropper, but if you don't have any threat in front of you, you can take the curl depth all the way to 18 to 22 yards. You know, you might end up underneath an over route and wide cross just by dropping for depth. You know what I'm saying? So those are the types of avenues that are open to you. Now, you know, I'm sure we'll probably come back around on the back end to where it can burn you. But as far as like some of the more popular concepts, your smash drives, your scissors concepts, your wide cross concepts, your meshes, things like that, people aren't being displaced and conflicted in terms of their zone responsibilities because they know that they have overlap and help from their inside and outside underneath defenders. And that's where I really think that we're seeing a lot of use and utility in these coverages against the pass game. Well, and you said something that is, is makes a ton of sense. You're talking about the slashes, Seth. Like, okay, let's, let's – and I hate to, you know, belabor the point, but we're talking drop eight. We're talking either some sort of man-free variation where you're covering triple rats or double rats or whatever. You're talking about five under three deep. And that could be cloud or sky, cloud strong, cloud weak, which you, that's another air raid beater. Or you're talking quarters, 440, okay, which I've used, you know, and I'll use this as a quick example. Let me get back to Tampa too. Like we played a team, we played rushed four and played quarters, and they played the fade out game with us. And so we played drop eight quarters. We were able to put both of our overhangs outside leverage to sit on the outs. And then the backers, if they tried to throw slants, could take them, both of them. But look at Tampa 2. Okay. It was invented for the reason I talked about the honey hole, whatever. You know, get the safeties wider, run the guy down the middle of the field. So you can take away some of the traditional weaknesses of cover 2, right? So what did teams start doing? They started inventing other ways to do it. What's the number one thing to do when option rounds with the check down? So get the mic to vacate out of there. Then have the guy release through the line, get your best player. I mean, if you're playing Christian McCaffrey and you're playing Tampa 2, that's a problem. <laughs> He's uh, good at football. It's the cutting-edge analysis that I have for you in the pro game today. You know, but now all of a sudden, you're in drop eight, and you have a Tampa player, and you have a guy sitting on those routes. And if you're smart as a defensive coordinator, so if I'm going to play drop eight Tampa 2, I'm not going to play it where I'm playing, you know, three, two, a zero technique and two fives and two 30 backers. That's stupid. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take my nose. Who's a really good pass rusher. I'm going to put in a really good pass rusher. I'm going to put him in a three technique. I'm going to play two fives and then I'm going to walk up the backer to the back and he's going to be your underneath hook player. Now it puts you in a better position to play those, uh, to play those routes. And furthermore, the one technique in an even front is not getting much in the way of pass rush anyway. Especially, we always said, put, we, when we rush the passer in four down, 
if we were playing our normal G in a three or one in three and pass our situations, we would put our nose to the back because we're like, fine, he's going to get doubled anyway. Might as well get tripled. You know, he's not going to do anything anyway. And so Dick Bumpus used to be at TCU, used to teach that guy, if you didn't get immediate pressure, kind of hang by the line and wait for the break. Well, why not do that with the linebacker? So now, because what, what does everybody say in, in, in rush, you know, drop eight? Well, you didn't get the same pass rush. Okay, so let's take a guy who would have your nose. Who's a better pass rusher? An off-the-ball linebacker who's lined up a nose who may have some quickness? Or a lineman who's going to be immediately double-teamed? So we're going to get our best guys. We're going to get three one-on-one matchups if you do it right. And it's really easy as a defensive coordinator. Hell, put put one of the backers in a three and put the guy, you know, put the other guy, the, the guy who's going to run down the middle of the field over the center. So now you're forcing man protection and right before the snap, he bails out. And then the off the ball backer can easily balance the rush out. Now you've got your three one-on-ones. So you got really in four down anyway. The guy who's getting double teams not going to get through. And you've got the best of all the worlds. You've got your one-on-ones. You've got your drop eights. And it's super easy to manufacture. We're not talking, I mean, you could do this in freshman football. I'm talking freshman in high school. So it, it's, there's ways, I think the, these, these absolutes in coaching have been drilled in, in football. You, you know, screw coaching, like in all of football, you need to have a great pass rush. Again, go back to the original point I made. What is every spread offense saying? We got to get the ball at 1.8 seconds. Well, who's really going to get through? And you get these freak situations where guys get an inside move and or the tackle doesn't set right and the guy just runs around. But how much of that are you really seeing? Like how many sacks are you seeing on RPOs? Zero. I don't I mean, if it know. happens, something went horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, like somebody didn't get out of their stance when the when right. they hike. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about in catastrophic situation. I mean, relative to football, catastrophic. I mean, don't get me wrong, but so okay, so you're gonna spend all this money. Uh, let's go to the pros now. Okay. You spend all this money, all these resource allocation there i got it again <laughs> this is my thing i'm gonna it's gonna be like um shitty shitty corporate jargon in the football world that's my <laughs> new mission but um i'm gonna try to sneak in a circle back too in here but uh you know you you're gonna all these dominant pass rushers and then here's the thing about so so and you said something else about they're they're using the same thing to attack so one thing that drop eight tampa two does not mitigate is like dig seam routes, right? Dig on the outside, seam on the inside, because really it's the same thing. Now you could argue, well, because you have the extra guy deep, the curl player doesn't have to take it as much opening up the dig. Well, it's still, if you, the threat of four verts, you got to have four guys deep at least, right? So now teams are going to, the menu of attack is very small. And now you just sit on those routes. You work the crap out of dig seam, you work the crap out of the stuff that you know you're still going to get, but you've taken off. And dig seam's not going to kill you. First of all, nobody throws the seam. Unless, again, something catastrophic just happened. Seth, you're a QB coach. When you ran, like, dig seam flat, how many Dude, seams did you throw? I, I'll give you a good example, which is not dig seam flat, but it's like a flood. You know, where you have, like, a go on the outside and, like, a 10 to 12-yard out. That how many goes were thrown? Yeah, it's zero, right? I, and I played quarterback yesterday in flag, and guess how many I threw? And they might have been wide open. Guess what? I didn't even look at them. 
No, because if you're getting man pressed man, because you saw the alert while well, I'm pressed man. Well, if you're getting pressed man, that that ten yard out looks tasty. Yeah, it's like, so does that flat route. Yeah, exactly. especially if you got a matchup. You're not oh, let me throw the hard one. No, let me yeah. throw it easy. And you're 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 a hundred percent right about you know they see him or dagger or something like that. Like it's not really to be thrown. The deep yeah, route. Is, it's, I'm country. I use like the route names. I don't have fancy. <laughs> oh, this is the Lexus route. Oh, that's fancy. fancy. <laughs> I'm like it's dig seam flat cross. Wrong. <laughs> Um, okay, I, I wanted to ask uh, this question to both of you because, okay, we're talking, we're having a great time talking about stopping the pass with a bunch of players in coverage is great. But this whole thing, and I kind of, we, are, we, we have touched on this a bit, but this whole thing only works. It only works if you can stop the run. So like philosophically, um, how is this get, you know, if it's off or technically, how is this getting done by defenses where they're saying, Hey, um, we can drop eight. We can even just align, you know, most of the times you'll see the teams just align with three down defensive linemen uh, inside the tackles. And we're still stopping the run. Like, because again, this, we wouldn't be talking about this if you could not stop the run um, to a, to a level that's suitable um, and still drop eight guys when it is a pass. So how is this, how is this happening? How are teams doing it? Well, I think that the funny thing about defense is that you you make these very like when you explain it when it was explained this way to me, it made a lot a lot of sense. Like there are just certain trade offs that you have to make. So there are certain things that you can accomplish defensively through the scheme, right? So you play too high to get a numbers advantage in the coverage distribution. So how do you stop the run with that? It's by technique up front, right? That's the trade off. There are certain things you can accomplish with numbers. Certain things you have to accomplish with techniques. Um, Bass, you know, we talked about in the pre-interview, and I've seen you tweet about it when you talk about basketball. Like, I take a lot of interest in defense in basketball because a lot of it is the same. Like, when you talk about defending a, a pick and roll, if you want to put two on the ball to trap the ball handler, you can do that schematically, right? Now this guy does not have an opportunity to shoot. He's got to pass the ball. He can't get to the rim. So by scheme, I've denied one option. How do we take care of all of the, you know, chain of events that happens after that? It's all in technique, right? I have to dig into the nail. If I'm a help defender on one end, I've got to rotate down to the dunker spot. Um, if I'm a guy on the corner, you know, we've got to be able to rotate and X out and mix and match all these things to be able to close out to shooters when the ball starts pinging around. It's the same idea when you talk about stopping the run out of different structures defensively. Um, I think I posted a clip on it. I'm sure Vass has, it, or he retweeted James Light when he did, when he was talking about, when Kirby Smart was talking about how he's able to play basically a 4-1 box and stop the run. Well, you do it with technique up front. Does it help that it's Georgia and their third stringer is an all-state five-star kid who might have been in the running for Gatorade Player of the Year? Of course, but the technique is a technique. The same way where if you were allocating more resources to the pass rush, how do you stop, how do you stop in coverage? By playing good press technique, playing a good off-man technique, Things like that. So there are certain things you can do with numbers and there's certain things that you have to make up for on the back end or on the front end with technique in order to execute it. I'm sure Vash probably has a more modular way to go into it, but from a big picture perspective, that's always the way that I've looked at it. I think it's very simple. I think let's break it into three. Sorry, I think it's, uh, I think we're getting a storm and it's starting to thunder outside. So if it picks it up, I just want to make sure. We're in a situation where there's like rolling thunder. 
anyway um this podcast is rolling thunder (laughs) oh i like that (laughs) uh so the the first thing let's take this in three parts even front odd front and then odd three high even front it's a pain in the ass that's why most drop eight teams unless you're on an odd front so you know your tcu and you're playing your what they call boundary base so you're playing a five to the field a zero a four eye to the boundary i'm sorry yeah, I got that right. Five to the field, zero, four out of the boundary, nine, and they just drop the nine and have the four eye loop outside. Easy, right? Odd front. There's no difference because it's drop eight if it's pass. So when you're in those RPO lanes, you already have, like, I can't think of an odd front as, as Deontay was talking. I was trying to think of a drop eight odd front that would look different than a non-drop eight odd front, and I couldn't think of one unless it got to three high. So what does three high do is, again, we can, this is semantics. If you're playing a backer at five and a safety at 12 and a middle safety at eight, is the safety really deep or not? Let's, you know, we've brought up basketball. Let's get into soccer. Okay. Why did certain soccer formations work infinitely better when they came out, when things were different? It's because it used to be three banks, uh, three banks of players. So you got a four, four, two three, five, two, whatever. Well, then you started getting guys that could get in between the lines. You didn't know how to classify them, you know, and that's, what do you call that middle guy at? I mean, Rocky long, you know, it will stay with Iowa state. Cause they're an interesting case study for what you want to talk about today. Um, you know, they call that guy, their star, their middle guy, right? He's a safety. Rocky long was doing that in the nineties with Brian Erlacher and he yeah. was a safety, but <laughs> You really think Brian Erlacher's a say? I mean, he's a, if he's a safety, I'm a model. You know, um, that's just it, it's semantics. It's like the four four became the four two five. Well, my mentor ran the four four with corners at the outside safety spots. Was it really a four four? Does it matter? No. And the, can I get on the soapbox for thirty seconds? You can get on for as long as you like. Don't tell me that. <laughs> not tell me that that is no you need to give me i need a shot collar on. hey you got 45 seconds i give you a letter 15 extra i see so much stuff on twitter about is this 425 is this 44 is and i that's not an argument that's used a lot but just like these semantic arguments it doesn't matter it does not matter what does it matter what does it matter if you call that guy a backer or a safety besides recruiting purposes because you're going to get a 4-4 DB and you're like, I want you to play linebacker. They're going to be like, I want you to stop calling me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Besides that, what does it matter? If he's at eight yards and you call him a linebacker or a safety. Now, I guess if you're saying you have no pass responsibilities, well, then that would be more like a linebacker. But what the F does it matter? It doesn't. Like we get in these the two things that drive me nuts is ranking the baits that don't matter. Like if you're ranking for the draft, okay, yes, because there's a there's a clear like okay, somebody's gonna go first and somebody's gonna go second, but these lists of like the 50 greatest players ever and these guys gonna be stupid to me. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. Also, what you call something doesn't matter. What that person does matters. If I am a safety at eight yards or a linebacker eight yards and I'm playing the middle hole in Tampa two, what does it matter? It doesn't. And so I think that's a lot of what you're seeing is. Going back to, I'm off my soapbox. All right, we're going back into normal conversation mode. I'm shifting, I'm gearing down. The anger is subsiding. But a lot of that stuff, like I, I, I was really thinking about, like I think about Saban's defense. 
and Deontay, you know a lot of stuff. Can you think of a drop eight call? And I, I, Deontay, you know a lot of stuff. You're not wrong to tell you the truth. No, about Saban's defense. He knows a lot of that stuff. And so besides the obvious two minute, like the 33 kick stuff where it's like two minute, right? like next to last play or the third to last play, when they're dropping eight out of three, four, when they're dropping eight out of mint, they're tight front. It looks the same. Right. So you have an extra guy off the ball, but even like, okay, here's a great example. Bama, when they drop eight, they don't do a lot, but all right, let's, let's use a random. It's a better example. If it's a by one formation, meaning two by one with two backs or three by one with one, um, three by one with one back, the weak side outside backers on the line, whether he is rushing, whether he is dropping, because that's the biggest thing on defense to make everything look the same, right? But if it's two by two, he's off the ball. He's apex, which is the fancy ass way of saying he's splitting the difference. Okay. But if he was to be in the rush, he wouldn't line up on the ball. He's lined up off. So really when you're dropping eight, it looks the same. So you don't really, I, I, I mean, he's, his responsibilities, whether he's obviously rushing and dropping would be different, but you're not going to tip it to the defense unless you, or the offense, unless you have a shitty like blitzer who's, the quarterback's not even set to take the snap and he's up on the line of scrimmage, which, you know, you get the Harry high school stuff sometimes, but I don't think it's an issue at all. You know, people have been dropping eight since the beginning of time, you know, but look, look at some I, of the running shoot stuff. I mean, people were dropping eight yeah. and, but if you're now to, to your point, if you're talking about some of these air raid offenses, you're daring them to run the ball. I mean, I'm watching leech against drop eight and he will not run the ball. And it's insane, but but okay, so this I guess maybe the next question is when we talk about that specifically, where you know Leach is saying, Well, I don't want to run, I, I still don't want to run the ball. You know, Leach is saying, uh, you know, yeah, he, he'll tell you, Yeah, we will we'll check to a run against blah 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 against light boxes. That's not true, but I think one of the issues, and I've talked about this on, on, on this on the podcast before, is one of the issues is his run menu doesn't fit what defenses have kind of without him knowing it have kind of evolved into, which is an ability to stop inside zone, right? He's not coming, you know, you're not seeing the area, you're not saying leech run counter anytime soon. So also, so now it's like, Oh, I would love to run the ball because of the box count, but I'm, but what's the point? Like, I'm just gonna like, what's the point of me running inside zone from one back against a tight front, like that's, it's like almost designed to stop it with a, right. with a, with a light box. So I think that's kind of one of the issues. Okay, I wanna get off this a bit. Um, I wanna talk something that, that I've been noticing because I've, I've been watching every, basically every power five quarterback to, for, to write up in our uh, college football preview, mag- preview magazine. And one of the things, and, and um, you know, me, me and Dee have talked about this a bit is quarterbacks coming out of college into the draft next season i think like when you look at you go find like any top 10 list and i believe really any top 10 list you find 50 percent of those quarterbacks are playing in what some people have kind of termed the super spreader offense you know these these yeah so you're talking about offenses coming off the old baylor tree you know, that Hypel runs, that Lane Kiffin is running, that, 
Um, and off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but there's, there's, uh, you know, Phil Longo kind of there in, in, in North Carolina. When you look at these offenses that are putting receivers, you know, touching the sideline, when you're talking about being in kind of 11 personnel the whole time where with a tight end who is a f- tight end slash fullback, you're, he's not, he's not coming out to, to catch a pass. You're running RPOs all the time and you're really just throwing the ball down the field. You have no, you have no concept of intermediate, uh, you know, pass concepts where you're trying to like, you know, we'll, we'll move the curl defender and then wherever he goes, we'll throw a rape him, et cetera, et cetera. You're just throwing the, throwing the ball down the field. Uh, North Texas does this. When you look at those offenses, how do, like, what, how do you stop these things? Or is it really just a thing where you're saying, hey, we're just going to play one-on-one on the outside and we're going to live in a world uh, where they don't complete the passes? I, I don't know. I think of this stuff differently because I think a lot is made out of the splits, the receiver splits. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like I learned a lesson from – Brandon Lechtenberg, who's my old boss, who I've had on my pod a bunch and is a very has a very profound effect on me. When you see stuff like that, it ends up being a situation where the guy is outside wide. It's just like jet motion, right? I used to get freaked out by jet motion. And he would say to me, like, like it'd be like 10 personnel, you know, two by two and then slot one motion in the backfield. You're like, oh, it's jet motion. Oh my God. And he's like, Treat it like he started out there. So for me, I look at the wide splits as imagine the guy started inside and just released outside. What would you want to do? And then I think go for, you go from there. Now, I'm not versed enough on those offenses to be like, oh, here's what I would do. I think spacing and isolation, you know, is something that has helped. I mean, that's why the spread has gone and 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 it worked i guess is a better way to say it is you know you've taken the game of football over the last 20 years you've added a quarter basically from from running more plays and you've you know what what was the thing that used to say oh if we can get our our running back one-on-one with the safety or to the house well now you're getting everybody one-on-one every play so i think and again this is a very uneducated guess on like how defenses would respond i mean is that is that what you're wanting to know or are you more so of like how this will trickle up to the pros like where where do you want to go there on that no we can keep it in the college level no i mean but you want to talk about how deep like defense one of the things that i was going to say in the last segment about the drop eight stuff is i think now this is counterintuitive but i think seven man protecting and taking shots is the best way to go against drop eight coverage i wrote that in my article just bypass the underneath zones just fuck them Exactly. And so get two on one, but 35 yards down the field. Yeah. Because it's hard to get one on one, but, but like, okay, let's go. Can we just dipping back in that last segment? So Tampa two, again, you still only got three guys deep. Okay. So put two guys on one deep, you know what I mean? And give enough run where those guys have to bite up. So I kind of contradicted my, I'm glad you didn't pick up on it, but I kind of contradicted myself about the drop eight thing, or maybe you did pick up on it, but you were being nice, a nice host and just letting me kind of just go. But, you know, I was talking about. This is your soapbox time, by the way, you got 15 more seconds. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> but like Leash, we said, we'll just run the ball. And I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. But then my answer was with Leash, we'll just run the ball. Well, I think it's because most drop eights that you're seeing are playing the tight front where you're sealing off those inside gaps. But when you play against Leach, guys are getting wider. So I want to make sure I sneak that point in so people don't think I'm an idiot, but more of an idiot. But, you know, I think that that is a way, I think that's what's hard is, you know, the, 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 part of the spread offense that you lost was those hard play action plays. The Joe Moorhead is the guy I love. Cause that guy has like adjustable routes of like 22 yards with his tight ends. It's awesome. And I, you know me, I don't comment offensive guys very often. And maybe I'm a little biased because he was my first real major division one guest on my podcast. But I think, like you said, bypass the zones, get deep um, and make those, run smash but like at 35 yards like put somebody in front and then somebody behind you know what i mean like obviously i'm being a little hyperbolic with the depth but i think there's some real truth to that i mean it's a great point uh yeah with d i mean i kind of asked the same question like when you see you know again these offenses that we've talked about where you're in 11p um tight ends not a receiving threat everyone else is super wide they're trying to throw down the field like what do you think defensively when you when you when I don't know if you, I don't know if either of you it clearly I mean with Bass I guess not but but with you D I don't know if you've seen these type of offenses have they trickled down to the San Diego high school level and like what are you trying to how, how are you trying to deal with that so they're not creating all these explosive plays all the time so it hasn't it hasn't trickled down to me as a defensive coach. I will say that when I was coaching lower levels and kind of just like cutting my teeth as a coach, I used it a little bit. Um, and it's funny to see how people freak out when they don't think the way that Vass explained, right? Where you don't just say, okay, well, he's out there. Well, how do we treat this? You know, like I've seen, you know, again, jet motion, same thing that Vass mentioned. I have seen defenses lose their minds behind it. You know, and I'm sitting here like, well, what do you do versus two back? If it was two back spread, what would you do against that? And then a coach will look at me like, well, like we're stretch did. lead out of two back. Now, obviously, now in the defense of the offense, that stretches it a little faster, a little faster, but, but you get to time up your movement and your stuff because they're, anyway, sorry, I'm jumping in on you now. No, I mean, but that, that's really it. So to me, this is an extreme example. Um, and I would not be happy with the amount of yardage that was put up. Um, but when you look at what Michigan State did against Baylor in the 2013 Cotton Bowl, I think that was, that's basically how I would think you would treat it. I mean, on a certain level, how, again, to the resource allocation thing, uh, key term that we've been tapping in on today. Trademark. How many, <laughs> how many resources are you going to allocate towards a guy who is standing eight yards from the sideline or four yards from the sideline? You know, you you can only unwind the defense so much. We talk about stuff like this all the time in less extreme circumstances. There is a certain point of elasticity that you can pass by on defense if you continually you know, invest in, oh, we wanna stop this. We don't wanna get hit over the head. Hey, you know what the secret about Baylor and UCF and all those guys are? The people who are running those nine routes are state champion track stars, okay? Yep. Baylor they looked different when they didn't have those dudes. Yeah, if they want to beat you in a foot race, they're probably just going to beat you in a foot race. If you want to put two bodies out there, you can. And then that's how you end up with Lake Seastrunk at Baylor average, you know, leading an offense that averaged 300 yards rushing. There is only so far that you can take it defensively. So would I be okay with giving up 400 passing yards in like two and a half quarters? Probably not. But as far <laughs> as the approach, that's, it's a sound approach. I'm not going to freak out about this one niche thing you do. 
I want to take away the thing that actually get allows you to break games wide open. And that's how Michigan State ended up winning that game. So that's well, how and, and if you watch TCU when they played Baylor in 15 after their after they got destroyed after in 14. Yeah. And granted in 15, they were like down to their third quarterback. Baylor was it was down to their third quarterback right. and they were beginning of the end. But here's the thing. You know, you brought up Michigan State and TCU. They're both playing quarters. Well, what's quarters? It's four across man with a four-man pass rush. Exactly. So everybody talks about, oh, what happens when you isolate? What do you think quarters is? That you're already doing that. And here's the here's the dumb part. The dumb part about this, if you're a vertical offense, right? The dumb part about putting that guy out there is you can't run all the routes you can yeah. if you're tighter. Well, I have it's one, it's one. It's one route. He can break it off at a couple different depths. Hurts and comebacks. And if you watch TCU, they they called the same coverage and they just made a man tag. And what the man tag meant was we're going to play this like man, obviously, but it changed their technique. And so what TCU did was is they would put, if you can imagine this, their inside foot up, which is not what you usually do in, in, um, in man coverage, you wouldn't have to open up towards the quarterback. They would actually close themselves off. And they would be basically facing the receiver and looking over their shoulder at the ball. Because what's the guy going to do? You can't throw hitch screens. I mean, that, that's the thing is everything's a trade-off. And again, go back to the simplest explanation. If I go stick somebody three yards from the sideline, what do I do? Well, I isolate that guy. But now the throw's further. You know, if you're going to line up inside an MOR. Now, now I will say this in their defense. If you're going to line up at a normal split and mandatory outside release every play, well, then you might as well just move the guy out there, right? But I think versus certain coverages, it's a genius strategy. But versus others, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, it's great versus cover two because now the corner can't funnel you back inside. You know what I mean? But if you if you just make some changes, I think, I think defenses co- defensive coaches get spooked because we see things, our brains are wired to see things in patterns. Yep. And so when you break the patterns, it's like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? No. But then if you just, like, stop for a second. And, and I'm saying all this stuff, this judgmental stuff, because I was the worst offender at this. Oh, Jesus, they're running jet motion. You know, these points, these words of wisdom, they're not from me. They're from other people calming my ass down. So <laughs> I just want to make that very clear. This is not some, like, I'm some wise. I have good friends that would have talked me through my meltdowns. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's really, what are they, you know, you said it, the, like, what are they going to end up? Where are they going to end up? Okay. Um, let's see if we can get this last topic done in, in, uh, in four minutes, but. Just for that, uh, I'm going to stretch this thing out. <laughs> so one of the things that, that I've, that, you know, it, it goes back into, into conflict defenders and stuff like that is maybe we've kind of answered it, but I had it written down in, in my notes. So I want to ask you guys is what's what's happened is you know 10 years ago or whatever everyone was both you know everyone was both a run player and a pass player on defense in certain certain positions right if it was a run you go and tackle the ball carrier you have your rules but you go tackle your ball carrier and if it's pass you have your rules and you go cover whoever so i'm i'm curious um what your guys thoughts are on how we we've allocated resources uh And we've split the division of labor and <laughs> in order in order to synergize our defense. <laughs> uh, no, but like, how has that evolved um, as you guys have watched defense in how we we 
you know, but if, if, if we're not just going to drop eight and take the slash away, like we talked about, if we are going to still drop seven and, and maybe sometimes six, how do we take that conflict away? Because, well, if you're a run player, if you're, everyone is a, if, if everyone's a run player and you get an RPO, you're fucked. And if ever, you know what I mean? And if so, or any type of play action, you're fucked. So like how, how have defensive kind of split that taken conflict away um, and, and try to, again, still stop the run, but still be in a position where we, we can stop it with less guys. I don't know. But there's a lot of stuff we've talked about for, for, for months yeah. and years now. Yeah. I would say I'm going to jump in front of Vassal way he can close this because I'm sure he has a greater wealth of information because, you know, with the podcast, I know everybody is always interested in what is your RPO defense? What do you do yeah. versus this? What do you, how do you deal with glance routes, et cetera, et cetera. I just think that, well, number one, the phases change. I think that's just like the number one thing. So I'm starting a new DC job in this summer. And this summer, the first thing that we're going to talk about when we go over our coverages is the same thing that we taught that was taught to me, which is the same thing that was taught to my dad, which is we'll go through all of our base run fit rules. We'll go through our base pass coverage rules. And then we'll work our bootleg drill. You know, we'll work our play action drill. You know, that is still a bedrock principle of how you deal with defense. When you start talking about RPO, and I think that we've improved on this, I thought the framing was bad initially because people will talk about it like, oh, well, it's almost like a natural play action. No, it's an option. Like if you treat it like option and you change the way that you understand the phase of the play that you're dealing with, then it changes your response to it. Because if it was bootleg, then yeah, that is how you end up with a quarter safety dropping down to five, six yards when he sees mesh and then trying to whip his head around and try to cover a glance route. Obviously, that's probably not going to go pretty well, right? Versus if you teach it as option, which is to say, hey, you've got X responsibility and X responsibility only. It's a different kind of thought process for your, for your guys. It's a different thought process in terms of structuring the defense. So yeah, that's really where I think it's at. You know, I know there was a lot of like nitpicking, especially on the offensive side of the ball with, I think offensive coaches have really kind of run with this whole conflict thing. Um, and I think it does make for like really good branding in a way saying that you have an offense that creates conflict. I am on the side of not the conflict is fake, but I think Kogan kind of pointed this out. A properly constructed defense is not conflicted. We make choices on what we're willing to allow. Now, if you're able to take advantage of what we have decided to concede to the concede in air quotes, I want to say to the offense, then good for you. But this is not an option. I'm never going to tell a safety in quarters, hey, it's your choice. You can either play this glance route or you can fit the box. However you feel, let me know. We can talk about it on the sideline after the drive. No, that's not how it works, right? We have a progression of things that we make decisions on the same way that the offense does. It's not conflict. You concede space, back to a basketball analogy. If you want to cut off the paint, you're conceding that you may give up some open threes. But from there, the decision you make is, who do we want shooting? Where do we want the shots to come from? Probably don't want to come from the corner where the shot is shorter, right? We want it to be above the break, closer to the top of the key where the shot is long. So that way, even if we can't close out to it, the degree of difficulty is higher. It's the same idea in like RPO defense. And on a certain level, you're going to have to make certain decisions and saying, hey, if you're playing in Alabama and they're giving you buck sweep with the glance route or with the bubble, you do have to make certain decisions on that. But um, actually, Vass, can you jump in front of me really quick? Because I feel a coughing fit about to come off. 
Yeah. Well, so you answered your own question, I think, Seth. You said, how do defensive coaches take away conflict? You you take away con like you the quarters. Okay, let's let's step back for a second. Okay, first, you know, you mentioned something about offensive coaches and branding, and they talk about defense. We got the defense and uh defense sucks now. And okay. Let me ask you how your offensive productivity would be is if we took four quarters of football, instead of turning it into five, we turned it into three. Then you tell me how great your offense would be. Cause that's what we talk scoring about. 42 points a game. You can't stop me. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> um, I'm but, a division uh, one FIFA player Vass. You can't stop me. We'll see about that. But uh, you know, you take away the conflict, the RPO offense was quarters got so good at defending offenses that the RPO was invented to, to split it in half. And here's how it was done. I remember putting in G robber coverage in 2007 and quarters in 2008. And I remember telling guys, Oh, it's great. Cause if they run the ball, you do this. If they pass the ball, you do this. There's no conflict. Cause in 3d coverage, that was the whole thing. Cover three, your safety's at 12 yards. He's slow pedaling. He's reading an uncovered lineman. He comes up, they throw the post over his head. So you take those guys and you move those corners inside and you say safety, don't read the lineman anymore. Read the tight end. If he blocks, check real quick that it's not pass, but you don't have to back up because we're protecting you behind. That was like the reason you did it. Well, what ended up happening is it got too effective. And when things get too effective, we talked about this in the pre-interview, like the tight front, like it, it was so good so fast that people were forced to have answers. That's why a lot of teams that have unique offenses and defense have success for longer periods of time because you only got to worry about one time on your schedule. Like think about like everybody talks about how great the flex bone is. If everybody ran the flex bone, it wouldn't be as, it wouldn't be as good because you'd have to spend all the time on it. And that's their big selling point about running it is right. Like offenses talk about, Oh, the defense only sees it one time a year. That's like with anything, but the offense was designed to stop quarters because just like Deontay said, this is your run responsibility. This is your pass responsibility. What happens when they do both? So I went kicking and screaming. My whole philosophy playing defense and coverage came down to, I just wanted to play press and bail on the outside for my mentor, Keith Burns. We wanted to play press and quarters and a man. And even sometimes cover two, we'd slide to outside leverage or we wanted to bail. What that enabled us to do is we didn't have to do a lot of the off footwork, which meant we could play more time or spend more time on playing the football and playing press coverage. It simplified the corners rules because they have the hardest job on the field on defense, I believe. Now with the explosion of the passing game, you could argue that safeties have a harder time because you can isolate them going back to our previous conversation where before it was just the corners would get isolated. So if the three technique gets trapped, nobody cares. Nobody can see it unless it's the coach and their, their girlfriend in the stands. But when you give up a fade ball, everybody sees it. So we wanted to take as much pressure off the corner. So I didn't want to go into palms or two reap because I didn't want to have to install. I hated playing off. And I knew that if I did this, I would have to play off coverage because if I tried to play bail, it would be shitty. It wouldn't work. And then it just wouldn't be worth my time. Like putting in a bad defense is not great for me. So that was an issue. But so I went to Texas um, and I was visiting with their football team and they said, you got to play, you got to play two read again, divisional labor. Cause it used to be, all right, safety, down safety overhang. If it's run, you play, you play run. If it's pass, you play pass. Deep safety, if it's pass, you play pass. If it's run, you play run. Now they're doing both. 
So what they said was you take the overhang, you move them inside and say you're 75% run. Even the guys that are out of the fit, they're playing run. They're, they're sitting on the pass, but they're ready to trigger once, once it's run. They're not, what I mean is they're not dropping. I know that sounds like con, conflicting, you know, like I'm talking out of both sides of my ass. Like, I don't think they're out of the much. run, but they're playing the run for, first. They're not dropping. They're not just dropping out. Like the safeties, if it's run, they're still going to drop. Corners are still going to drop. Those overhangs are going to sit there. Okay. Deep safety, you are now 75% past. You're only going to get involved in the run game if the safety, if the overhang cracks down on number one, then you're going to go, which then can open up some one on ones on the outside. But instead of your 50 50, your 50 50, it's your 75 25, your 75 25. And then there's even hedges inside of that, whether you're to the back, if you're away from the back. If you're to the back, I could say you're like, you're playing i always tell our kids this this may be confusing but you play the the pass with the bot with your body and the run with your eyes so i'm staring at the guy i'm staring at the ball but i'm in a throwing lane where you can't just rise up and throw a hitch route and i'm not going to move we tell our safeties all the time dgtyk don't go till you know okay if i'm the overhang away from the back i'm 90 percent run unless this fat ass tackle hops up and that quarterback has a high ball then I'll, I'll i'll leave but other than that I'm, I'm not moving. I am not moving. And we always used to, we used to give the kids the Polaroid picture analogy, like take a picture, let it develop and see, well, kids don't know what the fuck that means anymore. So I had to come up with a new analogy, but anyway, so that's how you do it. And you say, okay, instead of, but, and that's the thing, but here's the thing, you quarter still has a place. You know, if you're playing Shanahan, watch the Super Bowl with the Pats and the Rams. Watch what Vic Fangio did to that Rams team earlier in the year. They played 6-1. They played like the old 6-1, the original Tom Landry 4-3 flex with quarters behind it. There still has a place. And where Aranda and these guys, you know, you mentioned this, where they've taken it to a whole nother level is they max fit everything. So meaning they're playing cover, cover four, like cover zero. Now you got to be good because now you're going to have a safety at 10 to 12 yards taking bubble routes. Well, you got to be careful on that. You know, I spoke to DJ Elliott recently. He says, you know, we we fit everything like cover three, even in quarters. Or I, I may have got that wrong, but basically one side does one thing, one side does the other. But again, you're giving guys roles. Before in quarters, it was run, everybody was a 50-50 player, except for the corners. You said, listen, you're not playing the run unless it's crack or that ball gets wide fast on you. And it's it's like man, and it's almost like man. It's like man, but I'm looking at the ball and then I'm going to go off of that. And that's really how it's, it's, it's developed. And, you know, talking to Ron Roberts, I had a, I took, I spoke with him for an hour in 2019 and it was one of the most single enlightening conversations I ever had. And he said, you know, I play cover three so much. I said, why? Cause you hate winning. I'm kidding. I didn't say that to Ron Roberts. I was like, I love cover three. Cover three is the greatest thing of all time. What are you talking about? He goes, cause every offensive coordinator that's coming up was taught to start over quarters. And one day that'll go away. Yep. Somebody's going to come along that's Stanford, but not Stanford, that, you know, Harbaugh will get fired and go somewhere else and decide he's going to be Stanford again and stick with his guns and get 21 personnel and just muscle the shit out of people. And, or, you know, Kansas State's going to become a power and then everybody's going to have to go back and it's going to become cyclical. I mean, I think the spread offense is here to stay. But going back to your point about those offenses, and I may catch a lot of shit for this, I don't think there's sustainability in those. I may I may regret saying this one day, but those 
gimmicky, like spread everybody out, like obscene spread out, like where they're by the sidelines. Cause the thing about the spread about the air raid is I don't, I think it's worked at all levels. That stuff, like you look at Baylor and I know you can say this about any offense, but when they had dudes, it was the greatest thing on the planet. When they had average guys, it was the worst thing on the planet. Horrible. Horrible. And that it's like triple option. If you've got a great option quarterback, it's phenomenal. But if you have an average, like you can get away in other offenses with average QB play. You cannot get away with average receiver play in that Baylor shit. Because think about it. You have to be so obscenely good to be like, hey, guy, I'm running a fade or a comeback. Stop this shit. And then to not be able to stop it you know, just by the virtue of the spacing. Now the slot option stuff's completely different, but I mean, think about it. They're 20 personnel. You've got two guys on the outside that literally aren't going to get the ball thrown to them unless you are terrible or they are way fucking better than you. And we've basically got one guy live. And you said it earlier with those old Miss style offenses, those tight ends are not going to go out. In fact, when Aranda played them in 18, yeah, 18, played, uh... He played the undercover one, and he told the guy covering the tight end, hey, if you get YT protection, which he calls full slide to one side, back and tight end the same side, just go fucking blitz. He green-dogged the tight end. I never heard of it. I'm like, what? You did what? They just, like, stopped covering the tight end because he knew I wasn't going to get the ball. Because he got some fat-ass tackle or fat-ass tight end who runs like I do out there just sitting there playing patty cake with air against the tight front. He's sliding down to nobody. I'm like, shit, I could do that. I got eligibility left. <laughs> anyway that's my answer and i'm sticking to it damn it all right that's his answer and he's sticking to it um chris i mean i don't does no one ever calls you chris but i'm gonna do it right no, now you can tell you can tell when people met me by what they call me <laughs> if they call me chris there's somebody i met like pre-eighth grade well so, we, we we follow each other we'll follow each other we we are facebook friends so i know your your government name so yeah, for James Vassar. And by the way, coaches, real quick, since you mentioned it, if I haven't accepted you on Facebook, it's nothing personal. <laughs> At my, if my personal political rant stage, and if I don't think you're going to like it, I'm just, I just stay away from it. Church and state. Church and state, baby. Yes, sir. So do you want to circle back? I got it in. I got it. <laughs> uh, do you want to circle back to the, uh, the Patreon? I'm prompting you to promote my shit, damn it. No, I already, I already promoted your stuff. You haven't, pay, you haven't paid me enough. NBA, I'm learning NBA. You got to create your own shots. That's what I hear. I'm creating my own <laughs> shots. Circling back for the J. Linktree.com slash Coach Vass. Come talk to me on Twitter. Right. No, seriously, guys, please. Yeah. If you are looking for any information, I mean, honestly, like, I've basically been on just about every tier except for, like, the platinum one where you would actually, like, consult with the coaching staff. Come to your house and cook you dinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been on basically every cheer and I will say that there is something for everybody there. So now where I'm at, you know, like, obviously I'm, I'm lucky enough to have kind of an open line of communication, not that anybody who wanted to talk to you could not, but obviously you and I are able to kind of just talk shit football wise a little bit different. So for me, I will say I use orange because I know I can just go through film all day. If I see something I have a question about that I'm not sure of, I'll ask the guy who has the damn film. And if he doesn't have the answer, he can get in touch with somebody who gave him the film. You know what I'm saying? So that's, I'm able to take advantage of it that way. But if you want different kinds of tiers, you know, where you get like the extra podcast information, I know he'll put stuff on SoundCloud that's premium. All of that stuff is good information. So this is me plugging Vasa's stuff. 
Appreciate uh, you. Please, you know, please, if you're interested at all in learning more about the sport, please uh, subscribe to it, pick a tier, and then just move your way up the way that I did. And, and the, the conversation, my whole thing when I got into this is I wanted to advance the discourse. So if you ever want to talk about football, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Fast, the show's account at, at MDGA Podcast. I do like the follow automatic follow back unless you have a name and a bunch of numbers after your after it because i think in like no picture or i think you're trying to sell me apparel i'm like i get all these people like do you want to buy your new football jerseys from bangladesh i'm like i don't coach a team i'm not (laughs) coaching one team stop asking me i will follow you back and we can talk um i've get guys that have like basic questions like i had a guy yesterday ask questions like how do you know who has what gap like simple something simple like that and i i drew it up and was like, here you go. And then I get guys that are like, how do you push for strong and clip? And I'm like, uh, one second. <laughs> and I go text all my friends who are smarter than me. And then I come back and I'm like, well, actually it's this. I thought of this on my own. Nobody helped me. Nobody helped me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I love talking about the game. Um, and I'm, if you follow me, I'm always doing some either a YouTube video, a podcast. And I know we plugged a Patreon, but I, I'm, I put out a bunch of free stuff, even if it's just like huddle. Like I do, I have a contract with huddle where I do like monthly webinars. We've talked about game planning and and how to get more out of watching film. I mean, it's just, I'm always talking about something. So if you have any questions related to football, please hit me up. It's my favorite thing is talking to coaches. And that's why I got into this. Yeah. And you get the discord. Uh, discord is, I didn't think that uh, people were going to take to that because coaches and discord, I didn't think they're like, what are you talking about? But yeah, it's one of my it's one of my favorite things. I don't actually don't post as much. I like to read. Same. I'll just go in there and just scroll from bottom to top. You, yeah. So if you have any interest, you know, if your favorite football team, your favorite college football team is transitioning to the tight front and you don't understand how that works or you're into recruiting, you're part of the message board community and you want to understand what the nickel and this defense does versus the last defense you had, you can find a lot of the conversations that can prime you as far as your level of understanding in that discord it's an ego free space i haven't seen anybody nitpick it's really no dumb question there are coaches who have who have championships who consistently have success that will get in there and ask hey you know i've never really done this four three cover three thing can somebody just break that down to me yeah we have two trap tuesdays and fire zone friday exactly it's a theme we got going so come talk to us absolutely anyway thank thank you deontay thank you seth for having me on the podcast i really appreciate it all right. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's it. Um, we will see you guys next week. Uh, we are talking the better side of the ball. We're talking offensive trends uh, next week. So hope to see you guys. Soon.